And for our scripture reading, we'll turn once again to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, we'll begin reading at verse 10. Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 10. And now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, A hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Then he said, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and put in his garden, And it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. And we'll stop the reading there. Dear congregation, this afternoon our focus will be on these two parables that we read in Luke 13 from verse 18 through 21. And Jesus asks this question, what is the kingdom of God like? Now the catechism students have learned this recently when they looked at the second petition of the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. And there, as well as in this passage, the kingdom of God, it refers to the, to the church of Christ in this world. The Church of Christ, which the kingdom, which is now in its growing stage, and it's in the it's in the gospel stage. A kingdom that grows when people are added to it, when citizens are added into it. And God adds citizens when He, he removes them, or he takes them out of the kingdom of darkness of Satan, when He delivers them out of the kingdom of darkness and brings them into His own kingdom of light. And the first part of This chapter, verses 1 through 9, that we looked at a number of weeks ago, it shows us the call of the gospel. The call of the gospel showing us the way into this kingdom by the way of faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then recently we looked at verses 10 through 17, which shows us the the deliverance of this gospel. And Jesus demonstrated that when he showed how he delivered that woman from that infirmity who was bent over in her sickness and delivered her from it and from the bands of Satan. He healed her. 
And so we're showing that when you enter into the kingdom of God, you are delivered from the power of the kingdom of Satan and of sin. And you come under God's rule, under God's dominion, and He gives a true, a lasting, and a spiritual rest. But now as we come to verse 18, as we focus on these two parables, Jesus shows us the growth of His kingdom. The growth of His kingdom, of God's kingdom. And that will be our theme for this afternoon. And we'll see firstly that this kingdom, the growth of this kingdom has a powerful beginning. The kingdom of God has a has a powerful beginning, beginning even though it starts so very small. And then in his first parable, here in verse 19, Jesus shows us a little mustard seed. A seed that is so small you can, you can hardly see it. Just like carrot seeds or something in the garden. You can just barely hold them in your fingers. They're so small. It seems insignificant. It's a seed that can easily be lost or dropped into the soil. You won't find it back or it can blow away in the wind or or it can be thrown out accidentally and you step on it. But there's a power, there's a force in that seed. That when that seed falls into the soil and when the rains begin to fall, and it begins to sprout. And by the end of this season, this little mustard seed would have grown into a large tree, they say about 10 to 12 feet tall. And so this parable is showing us how small the beginning of the kingdom of God is. And that it looks so insignificant and so small, they have to look so very closely to be able to see it at all. And when it falls into the soil, you, you can't find it back until it begins to grow. The gospel started that way, very small. Even back in Genesis 3 where God gave that promise in its seed form, the gospel in its seed form where He said that from the seed of the woman, Christ would would come as a Savior of sinners. But then in the second parable in verse 21, Jesus also compares the kingdom of God to leaven. Now, if you, have, if you make bread, you know you have to add yeast to make that bread rise. Yeast causes the dough to ferment and it causes it to rise. Now, but, but the Israelites didn't have yeast like we have now, but they had a, a starter dough. They used a, a piece of dough from a, that they saved from a previous loaf, and they would put that small, a small piece of that into the new loaf of dough, and that would begin the fermenting process in the new loaf. And once that leaven is added, then the whole entire, it, it, it starts, it begins, and it, and it leavens the whole loaf. It continues until it's all fermented. And so like that little mustard seed, a little bit of leaven is placed into that new lump of dough. And you wonder, what will such a little bit of, of leavened dough do? But there's a power in that beginning that cannot be stopped once it starts in that new uh, loaf. And so that is how it is in the beginning of the life of every believer. The beginning of God's work in, in our hearts it seems so small. And the gospel seeds falls into the soil of the heart and it's hidden there. And maybe you try to look for it in your own hearts or, or the hearts of your children 
and you can't find it. And you wonder, is there anything there? Now, some people, they, they say they can point back to, to the place where the Lord saved them and to the place where they were turned by the Lord. And that can certainly be so. But even then, most likely, that seed was even there before they saw any, any results. And so it's also true that we're not called to be digging for that little seed. We're not called to look for that seed because that can be so discouraging when we can't find it. But we're called to produce fruit by God. And we produce fruit not by looking for that little seed, but by looking to the gardener, to Christ, who plants this seed through his gospel and who cares for that garden all its life. And so... God's kingdom spreads as the seed of the gospel is sown into the soil of the hearts. It's like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God is the one who gives the increase. And so that little gospel seed, it's placed into the hearts where there was nothing growing before. Nothing but just a barren field that that needs to be plowed. It's so unfruitful. Or like that starter dough, that the gospel is placed into a dead lump that won't begin growing of its own. And that gospel seems so insignificant. It's a gospel that is despised by the world, just like the people did in Jesus' day. The people think it's foolishness. The Jews wanted, to, wanted signs from heaven to prove that this was actually from God. The Greeks searched for wisdom. And Paul says that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. And so the gospel seems so insignificant to this world because they can't see what it is. But Paul also wrote in Romans 1 that he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, for the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. It's the power of God that cannot be stopped. It's like Christ, when he came into this world, how he, he died as a seemingly insignificant little seed. He was trampled to the ground. He was buried in the grave. And yet, he rose with power on the third day. And just like the seeds we have in our own garden, you, you, you might plant them. And it looks like the weather is, is hampering that growth. Some seeds lay dormant all winter. There's, there's frost that seeks to kill it. Then it rains so much in the spring, it seems like they'll begin to mold and, and die. The seeds get, get trampled. Some birds come and eat some of them. But then when the sun of the spring and summer come down and, and beat on the ground and it warms it up, and suddenly those, those, those seeds, they, they spring to life and a new life emerges out of the ground. And so similarly, also the gospel can seem to lie so dormant in the hearts of people for many years. But then when God comes and he brings those right conditions in in their life, that seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ sprouts with the almighty power of God to produce that new life that will never, never die. And those seeds have such a power when they germinate. You can see sometimes those little plants pushing up through the asphalt or pushing through rocks and pushing through the hardest of soils. This gospel seed will break the hardest and the coldest of hearts to give new life where before there was nothing but hardness and deadness and coldness. 
And just like that starter dough, that starter dough is active and it's, it's living. And when it's placed in a dead lump, it activates that new loaf of dough. And that gospel is that living word of God. That living word which is planted into a dead heart and gives life to a dead soul. And that is why we must scatter this gospel seed wherever we go. Plant gospel seeds in your home, in your family, with your friends, with your neighbors. And, that, and, and do, like Paul, don't be ashamed of, ashamed of speaking the gospel. But let those seeds fall where they may. And that's why we must also never give up watering these seeds with our prayers. And we must pray for the right conditions in the, life of the, in the lives of the people that have heard the gospel. Even though we can't reach them now as some family members who have, who have taken off across the world who don't want to hear it anymore, that seed is still there. And under the right conditions, God can cause that seed to germinate and bring forth life from the dead. And once that seed begins to grow, it will continue by the power of the Spirit of God. And that's what we see secondly. It's a persistent growth. The kingdom of God continues to grow today. Acts 19 says, So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. There was persecution there. There was opposition. But the seeds are being dropped wherever these people were being sent. And it continues to grow. Those seeds sprouted. Those seeds took root. And the, and, and the church of God grew. And it says it will continue until it will be the largest plant. That first parable of the mustard seed showed how the kingdom of God will start from such a small beginning, but will grow to be the largest kingdom in the end. And the second parable showed how that growth is mostly unseen. Inside that loaf, that, that yeast is, is working its way through it, but, but consistently, persistently, and steadily until it's finished. And so it's a hidden work, but it's a powerful work. And once it is started, it will not stop and the growth of the kingdom of god is 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 an inward growth not an outward growth it grows from the inside out remember the pharisees they were so focused on on outward cleanliness on on outward rituals but christ calls for an inward cleanliness by repentance and faith through the blood of christ which alone cleanses from sin And so just like the seed that mysteriously sprouts new life, that that work of the kingdom is unseen in its inner workings. We can't see that yeast working in in the dough, but but it continues until it spreads through the whole loaf. And you can see the effects as the bread begins to rise and as it begins to finish. But there's no stopping it. And there's also no corner that will be left unaffected by it. And so the kingdom of God also similarly will come and work quietly or work unseen through the gospel and the power of the Spirit until that work is completed. And so that growth, it's persistent through this world. When you look at the history of this world, the children, you can see many different kingdoms that have come and gone. You, you hear of the Assyrian Empire or the Babylonian Empire, the Persian, the Greek, the Roman. They've all come and they've all 
gone. But God's kingdom is not seen in the same way. There are times, there's times of prosperity like we have lived in in our lives where you can see churches being built all over the country. You see missionaries being sent out. You see all sorts of organizations and, and activity from the church. And yet at the same time, you can see church buildings emptying out. So there's, there, there's a mixture of growth and, and of decline. But if you go to, go to countries that are, don't have the same liberty and prosperity, you go to North Korea or China or Pakistan, where, where the government tries to suppress the church and try to eliminate Christianity, in some of those kind of countries you hear of revivals, of people being saved, of just like Saul himself who was breathing out threatening against the Christians and seeking to, to destroy them. But God planted that seed in his heart and he, he turned to become a preacher. And so did this growth work through all kinds of circumstances in our world and we can't really measure it how we measure external kingdoms. And so the real growth is, is really a hidden, hidden growth. We don't know exactly where God's kingdom is growing today. It could be in our very neighborhood that we don't see the fruits of yet. But in Acts 8, they were scattered throughout the world because of the persecution. And they preached everywhere. And even in the last couple of years in our own country, we have seen changes in our land. Changes that have caused the gospel to be preached in places where it has not been possible before. Opportunities presented itself. We live in a time where the opposition to the kingdom is increasing, where, where our own people are denying the gospel, where they, they, they're tending toward more anarchy and throwing away God's laws, and they resist God and His kingdom. But we know that nothing can stop the spread of the gospel through the world. God's kingdom continues to, to grow through times of prosperity or persecution. But it's not always seen. But it's not only in the world in general, but more specifically, it's persistent in its growth in the hearts of God's people. And so the kingdom of God, it spreads into the corners of our hearts as the word of God takes, that it takes effect by the power of His Spirit. And Christians can sometimes become so discouraged when when we see so many shortcomings we have and we wonder where and what there is in the hearts of, of, of God's work. It seems like we make no progress. We can be discouraged if we face setbacks on the mission field or even in our, in our local church, but then we're focusing so much on, on the external instead of on the internal. It begins so small and unseen but it will spread toward, throughout the entire person and not a corner of our hearts, of our minds, or of our affections will be left untouched by God. It will affect our entire life in how we think, in how we act, in what we say, in what we do. It's like Second Corinthians 10 says, every thought will be brought into captivity to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we can see the difference between God's work and our own work. 
Jesus said to the Pharisees in Luke 11, You make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. We try to clean up our outside, the outside of our life. We try to wash our hands, so to speak, and make ourselves look good. And we do the the things that we're supposed to do. And yet, then, if we stop there, that's all we can do. Our hearts remain unaffected. But God's work is that living work through His Word and His Spirit that begins in the heart and it grows from the inside out. And it changes your heart. It changes you beginning with turning away from our sins and in repentance and turning to God in faith. Those are the fruits that God is looking for in our lives. But it continues because it's a living word. The, the life the life in the seed and the starter dough gives life to you. And this is where Paul or Peter could also say that we are kept by the power of God because it's life that He has begun, that He keeps alive, which He started in your heart. And that leads us then thirdly to the, to the last thought here, the, a perf- to a perfect, perfectly measured end. It's like that little seed, that little mustard seed that would grow into, into the largest tree, into a 10 or 12 foot tall tree where the birds could live. And how that leaven was perfectly measured out for that size of new dough. And it was put into that loaf and it fermented until the whole loaf was leavened. God measures perfectly what is needed in this world so that His kingdom will come completely and when He will finally reign over all nations. And the kingdom of God will engulf the whole world, even the, the whole universe. There won't be a star or a grain of sand that is not under, under His control. It says, Every eye will see Him when He returns in the clouds of heaven. And that means that every trial, every circumstance, every disaster, every time of prosperity in our land is measured perfectly by God for the spreading of His kingdom. Even all the COVID issues in the last couple of years, the lockdown, the restrictions, have all been perfectly measured by God so that His kingdom will spread to the little corners of this country that were not reached before. He is the Almighty God. He, he brought our own nations to, to a standstill that the, that the nations are still trying to recover from. He shut down so many things in this land, and yet His gospel continued to spread. Just like He says in Isaiah, that, that the same arm of strength that He uses to destroy His enemies, He uses to deliver His people. The same waters that He opened up to let Israel through, He closed on His enemies, the, the Egyptians, to drown them in the sea. And every earthly kingdom will end. And the kingdom of darkness itself, when, with Satan and, and all its devils, will be cast forever into that eternal fire, along with every person who has not entered into the kingdom of God. But God's kingdom will never die out. But it will continue to rise until it's the only kingdom remaining. Revelation 11, the angels say, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. 
And nothing can hide us from that kingdom when it comes. And if we have not yet entered into that kingdom before He comes, you will try to flee. But Revelation 6 says, Every man then hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come. And who shall be able to stand? But not only does God measure perfectly what is needed for every nation, again, God measures perfectly what's needed for every heart so that His kingdom will come fully in the corner, every corner of our hearts. And that means that every trial, every circumstance is perfectly measured by God for the establishing of His kingdom in our hearts. The purpose of Christ's work is to present you faultless before the throne of His glory. To present you without spot or wrinkle before His glorious throne. And even though we can become discouraged so often when we see how little progress we make, the yeast of the gospel will fill you with that love of Christ, the love of God in Christ Jesus. It will continue to wash and to cleanse you from all sin. One day to present you holy and blameless before the King of Kings as that bride in the pure white clothing. We know that God will not do a half job. It's like the Psalter version, Psalter 381 of Psalm 138 says, The work that thou hast for me begun shall by thy grace be fully done. And he makes clear in his word that Christ will not lose a single one of his people. And so take courage if you find yourself in troubles, in persecutions, in sufferings. Because King Jesus himself said in Luke 12, Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Take courage because it's the, it's the, lev- the living leaven of the gospel that spreads Not our own efforts, not our own good works, not our own righteousness, not our own ability to make ourselves holy, but it's the the leaven of the Lord Jesus that will permeate your whole being from inside out through the power of His own Holy Spirit. And so we must take courage, those who desire also to be be part of this kingdom, because now He still calls and now He still commands us to enter. And he says he will in no, by no means cast out anyone who comes to him for that. We can take courage, those who think we are too sinful or too fearful to enter, who think we are too far gone or too hypocritical to be accepted, because the same gospel applies. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And he says that the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. That's why in Revelation 22, it says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And so we we can take courage, even if we do not see the fruits in the lives of our loved ones, our children, our, our, our spouses, our friends. 
but we can continue to knead that dough and sow the seeds and, and water it with prayer. God is the one who gives the increase. We must seek Him to produce their circumstances, the weather favorable to cause that little seed to sprout and to take root. Sometimes the winter can be long, but when spring comes, those seeds will germinate. And that's what we must seek the living God for. And then we will pray, let thy kingdom come in our hearts, in our families, in our communities. And so let us Let us keep this prayer as the Lord Jesus himself taught us. Let thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.